The Insurance and Injury Law Show here. Talk Radio AM 640. Anytime you need to get a hold of Savan, very, very simple. 416-216-5910. The email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We like to kick off each show. Got a, a lot of stuff to get through uh, today, brother. But we always start with the week that was. You got a bunch of cases that you want to talk about. Yeah? We have a whole bunch of them, John. Okay. And uh, welcome to our listeners. Let me start off by uh, telling you about one particular case that uh, you know, came to me uh, a, a while back. It was it was a lady that was on long term disability, and she's been on long term disability for a while. Uh, she's a custodian by trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's in her early fifties now, and uh, she, she was she was uh, cut off by the long term disability insurance company uh, for essentially not submitting updated medical records. That was really the reason. And, and, you know, I have to tell people out there, if you are on disability and your adjuster is asking you for medical documentation, provide that to them. Now, that said, sometimes it's onerous. Sometimes they keep asking you for the exact same thing over and over and over, and people get frustrated and they get angry and, and you know, they feel under pressure because they've already given that documentation. In this case, I have to say that uh, when we looked at the claim, uh, it's true. The insurance company was asking for these documents and there was some validity to their requests. But long story short, they cut her off and they cut her off telling her essentially, you are entitled to zero. We are going to pay you nothing. We're not going to continue paying you every month your long-term disability. So she came to me and how did she come to me? Because her husband is a long-time listener, uh, a a very big fan of the show. And and in any event, they made an appointment. We, We met, we spoke. We started the claim. Well, John, I'm happy to say, and I can't give you too many details because there are confidentiality clauses mm-hmm. that were agreed to. Sure. This past week, we settled at a mediation for six figures. No The kidding. claim was settled wow. for six figures. And this is, again, this is a lesson to people out there. If you are facing a long-term disability insurance company, a cutoff, you've been cut off or you've been denied a claim, don't assume that you're not entitled to compensation. Don't assume that what the insurance company has said is valid uh, because it, it may not be. And in fact, most times when people do come to me and I look at the claim and I look at the facts and I look at the documentation, I tell them, look, you know, you have a menu of options. Whether or not you choose to exercise your options is up to you. Ultimately, if I tell you you have a case and you choose not to pursue that case, that is your money that you are choosing not to take. That's a nice gift for the insurance company. Uh, So that that was just a fantastic result uh, for this client. She can now move on and focus on her health. And that leads me to the next case that I was just dealing with uh, today, in fact, uh, John. And this is a gentleman where we've suggested to him that we need to start a claim because he was cut off or denied, sorry, long-term disability. And he's insisting on us appealing the denial. And I keep telling him, listen, you can appeal. You have a right to appeal the decision. But I can tell you, John, if you were to uh, do do a survey out there of people who've appealed uh, long-term disability insurance companies, cutoffs, denials, uh, if you were to survey people out there, you'd probably find that most of these appeals fall on death for years. Sure. Nothing happens. It's 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 almost uh, like a procedural mechanism because who are you appealing these cutoffs to? You're appealing it to the same insurance company that cut, cut you, you off, off in the first place, for God's <laughs> sakes. So oftentimes people waste months, if not a year or even more than that, before they realize that they have to come to me, they have to have me help them, right? The Jerry Maguire mm-hmm. thing, help me help you. This is really the motto here. This is what we're trying to do. Come to me, let's have a chat about your claim. I'll tell you in a few minutes whether or not you have a case. And in this gentleman's situation, he definitely has a case. But the way to put the gun, figuratively speaking, to the insurance company's head is with a 
legal claim. Right. It's not by appealing. It's by going to a third party. And that forces them to the table. And that's what happened with the first case that I spoke about, the one that we settled this past week for six figures. Now, that that first case for six figures, had that client or had she already been a client of yours when that request was made, that would have come to you. It would have come to me. She exactly. wouldn't have to deal with it. You got it. So, in fact, that's actually a very good question because we do have people who come to us when they see, you know, the markings on the wall. They yep. have an idea that something is happening. Uh, in fact, there are a few individuals out there that on a weekly basis, they communicate with me, usually via email, and they say, you know, Sivan, I've been asked to see this particular doctor or I've been asked to do this and do that. Should I do that? And I tell them, listen, you know, here are the landmines. Here's what you should watch out for. So oftentimes we're able to avoid a cutoff in the first place. But you know what, John? If you do get cut off, and we have a lady just right now that comes to mind where we were helping her and we avoided a cutoff for a few months, now she's been cut off. Mm -hmm. I can tell you, because we were actually giving her this advice along the way, she has now a very strong claim against the insurance company because as far as I'm concerned, she did everything right. So I I actually think we're going to be able to resolve her claim very quickly. But, you know, no question about that. If you communicate with me before you're cut off, we may be able to even avert that. But, you know, if you've been cut off or you've been denied, don't assume that you're not entitled to that money and don't wait too long because the longer time passes, the longer it's going to take to resolve your claim. 416-216-5910 or help at the insurance lawyer.ca. i got a couple minutes left before we take a, a short break. What do you got? To, what else you got this week? Well, this is something that's uh, a bit different. Uh, it's a bit different than, than what uh, we usually talk about. Yep. And this is about travel insurance. And the reason why I want to just uh, quickly talk about that is because I do have people communicating with me, calling me, emailing me about, you know, I, I was injured when I was in, on vacation in the Caribbean or, or right. somewhere else. You know, how do I deal with the insurance company? They don't want to pay. They're saying I misrepresent something. Well, last week, uh, two weeks ago, my mother-in-law was in Germany with my wife visiting family. And uh, lo and behold, she became sick. They went to the hospital and my wife calls me and says, I'm going to call the travel insurer. What should I do? What's the number one thing I should right. do? And I said to her, the number one thing you should do is, other than give them the information they need, is document all of your conversations with the insurance adjuster in writing, whether it's to yourself or even better by email. Uh, just so when you talk, when you communicate with the insurance company, ask them for an email address for somebody to communicate with. Document everything via email so there are no misunderstandings about nice. what was said. And she did that, of course, and, you know, there are no issues now. But that's something for everyone to understand when you're dealing with travel insurance. Make sure that you communicate via email. Confirm everything that was said. It's like with everything, with auto accidents, everything. The more records you have, the better. hard copy, the better. Absolutely. Right? But specifically with travel insurance, because people feel, you know, panicked. They, they call yep. a number, a 1-800 number, and, and, you know, then they say, well, the insurance company said Y, and they say, no, said. we said X. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, we'll take a quick break. The number to call in the meantime or anytime, actually, 416-216-5910. The email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get right back into it and give you details on something called the injury calculator. Excellent tool. Stick around. That's coming up on the Insurance and Injury Law Show Talk Radio, AM 640. The Insurance and Injury Law Show. To get a hold of Savannah anytime, 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. The process when someone contacts you. We haven't discussed that too much. How does it go down? Well, that's a good question. So let me read you uh, a bunch of emails that I've received in the past week or so uh, from actual people. I'm not going to mention their names, and I'm going to alter a little bit the facts, but you get the gist of what it is that they actually emailed me. So, for example, I have one from May 9th uh, where the lady there says, Good morning, Sivan. Uh, I had a slip and fall on May 20th, 2009. was walking out of CIBC, and the sidewalk was broken up. Um, my feet uh, got caught up in the cracks and felt immediate pain in my ankle. 
when I tried to step off the sidewalk with the other leg, uh, I injured the mm-hmm. left leg as well on the curve. Uh, injured uh, uh, my, my uh, back, my ankle, uh, currently in a wheelchair. She's unable to wear uh, to, to, to bear weight on, on, on uh, her feet. Wow. Yeah, she's, she has a walker and she has two canes to get around, John. She retained the lawyer, okay? She had a discovery, which is the process where the other, you know, the insurance lawyer gets to ask some questions about, you know, the injuries and how the accident happened. And she says she was offered $60,000. She did not accept the offer uh, because she, the care that she's currently receiving, she's going to need that care for life. And she's 55 years old. She's currently on ODSP, which is Ontario Disability Program. Now, first thing that jumps at me, uh, John, here is this. This is a May 2009 incident okay so we're talking about seven years ago long time ago you got it exactly you've done this enough with me now to know that this is one of my pet peeves with with you know these kinds of claims when other lawyers and other law offices handle these claims unfortunately in many of these offices it's a very relaxed blasé approach to these claims again there are a lot of lawyers a lot of law offices there are exceptional they're fantastic and some of them are my friends I, i know them but you know, by the same token, there are a lot of law offices, and perhaps this is one of them here, where they just take their time. I mean, she slipped and fell. She has significant injuries. But why is it, why seven years later, there is no resolution in sight? The discovery happened two years ago. I mean, I can tell you that these kinds of claims, barring unforeseen circumstances, mm-hmm. and maybe there's something here that I don't know about, but this seems like a run-of-the-mill type case to me. Of course, it's very fact-specific. This lady is injured. Sure. She has her own life. But it doesn't seem like a complicated case for me. There should have been a resolution achieved within literally you know, a few years at most of the incident, again, depending on when the claim was started. But to tell me, to con- communicate with me now and tell me seven years later, with this law firm, there is no resolution, and this is what they've offered to me. I, I don't even know if the offer is adequate or not. I mean, the injuries seem extremely significant. Maybe there is liability issues. Maybe the defendant is taking the position that they're not at fault. I don't know. But what I do know is that seven years for a claim like this is way too long. So for people out there, understand these claims should not be taking decades to resolve. They should not. Okay. And by the way, Insurance companies, contrary to popular thought and and the myth out there that insurance companies just simply want to uh, sit around and not drag it out, drag it out. No, they don't want to drag it out. It looks bad on their books, right? Insurance companies uh, they also they generally have shareholders and you know they they have to show uh, something you know to 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 whoever is investing in them. Yeah, exactly. They like to close cases, which means that they don't want to drag the cases uh, for far too long. So, so that's the first thing that comes here, and of course, I'm going to be dealing with this lady. But unfortunately, fortunately, it seems like the case has sort of gone uh, not not in a straight line, but through quite a few curves. And I, I don't know if I can actually rectify the situation. The longer the the claim sits, the longer uh, the 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 case goes on, the more difficult it is for me to be able to fix any problems uh, that were created al- along the way. Four one six two one six fifty nine ten. That's Savannah's number. So, what do people generally do? Whether it's two years, five years, or in this case, seven years, in between the time it all goes down, and there's a settlement that comes through, hopefully a fruitful one. But what do people do? What do they live on? How do they how do they cope? Your, That's a very experience? good question. A lot of them uh, are in difficult situations. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I have I have clients. Uh, uh, they get help from uh, family members. Um, in some instances, uh, you know, you have the spouse that's working. Uh, right. I have a lot of those. Sometimes the kids help. Sometimes people, you know, they, they basically live a different lifestyle. I have a, I have a client that used to live in a very nice house uh, in Thornhill, 
and had to move to Peterborough because he wasn't able to continue with his construction business. Now, keep in mind, if you're injured in a car accident, you're entitled to income replacement benefits from your insurance company. But, that's but like again, bucks, exactly, right? it's, unless you have optional benefits, you've purchased an enhanced benefits package. You're talking about four hundred bucks a week, which for a lot of people, that's just not enough to cover all their expenses. Right. So, I mean, this 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 makes the point, which is that you know you have to move these cases totally. forward. You can't sit on them, and a lot of lawyers and law offices, that's what they do. That's just what they do, and there's no rhyme or reason. It's just that. I guess they have too many cases or they just take their sweet time. Maybe their staff is not properly trained. I don't know. Again, not all offices. I can tell you I've come across as a defense lawyer in the past working for insurance companies. I've dealt with law offices who represent injured people who are just exceptional. Everything is just like a machine. They, they move. They know what they're doing. They're in the game. But the majority of law offices out there, it, it, that's not how they operate. And that's, it's not just lawyers. I mean, it's the same thing with accountants or, or doctors, et cetera. What else you got? Okay, so uh, let's talk about another uh, email that came to me. Uh, this is uh, an individual. He's 17 years old. He and his mom and his girlfriend were involved in a car accident uh, back on May 7th, so a very short while ago. Yep. Their car was slowed down on uh, the highway, and another car rear-ended them, and their vehicle slammed into the car that was in front of them. They all sustained back injuries. Um, his mom and girlfriend had missed time from work. He went to a walking clinic, prescribed pain medications, uh, so, so, of course, you know, they want to know what their rights are. Yep. And, and you know, w- when we consult with clients after a car accident, the first questions that we ask are, first of all, w- what is your state? I mean, how, what injuries did you suffer? Which medical professionals did you see? Did you advise your insurance company? You know, we ask about how the accident happened. Do you have the information of the other driver? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. Then we assess the claim and we tell them, look, here's what you're entitled to from your own insurance company, your own automobile insurance company. You're going to be entitled to uh, income replacement benefits, uh, uh, medical rehabilitation, treatments, just a variety of benefits that you should be aware of. And, and of course, uh, you know, when you communicate with your insurance company, you have to make sure that they're fully aware of all your injuries as well as the property damage to your car. But the second thing that we're going to talk about and I'm going to talk about with them is what are their legal claims against the driver that was at fault nice. that hit them from behind. We'll take a short break till we get to that and we'll give you details on the injury calculator as well. In the meantime, the number to get a hold of Savan directly anytime, 416-216-5910 and the email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show Talk Radio, AM 640. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, the number, Savan, anytime. Write it down, 416-216-5910. Slap that in your contacts for sure. And email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. You've been teasing it for uh, the beginning of the show. Let's get into it. Injury calculator. Details. All right. Details. It's an anonymous tool and an online tool, a free tool that we've created uh, last year to allow people who've been injured through no fault of their own calculate how much money they could potentially get for pain and suffering if they've been injured in an accident, like a car accident, right. slip and fall, etc., And the beauty of it is that these are not just numbers that the calculator just brings out of, of nowhere. Uh, this is based on an algorithm that we created that scans literally thousands of cases across the country, across Canada, with other situations, other cases where other people have been injured, uh, you know, of different ages, different injuries, et cetera. And what happens is that when you go into the calculator, and we're going to do an example soon, Excellent. Uh, you put in uh, the in- injury date, you put in the location, you know, like the city, how old are you, what th- the type of injury, uh, specifically how bad the injury is, and, and literally within 20 seconds, 
uh, you'll see pop up on your screen a range of damages, a range of a dollar amount, compensation of what you can receive for your pain and suffering. And again, it's anonymous. If you want to contact us afterwards to get more information, because of course, this only deals with your pain and suffering. It doesn't deal with income loss, uh, care around the home, out-of-pocket expenses for medications. Those are things that are very specific and unique to each case. But, you know, if you want to just understand how much your injuries could be worth, you know, dollar amount, which is usually, you know, the first question that I get asked uh, after, of course, all the the, uh, basic questions about a case, people want to understand, is it really worthwhile for me to pursue a claim? And and I tell them, listen, look, go to the, go to this calculator. It's an online tool that we created, and it just allows you to to immediately see uh, what what you could potentially be entitled to. Okay, two questions before you give us a uh, a live example here. Number one, um, the calculator. You said part of the information is what city you live in. Two identical identical injuries, different city. One's Toronto, the other one's Peterborough. Will that make a difference? No, it's not going to make a difference. But what 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 is there to consider is this. You have different courts in different locations around the country, okay. right? You have, uh, we have a courthouse in Brampton and Newmarket and Toronto and sure. Ottawa, etc. And, and understand that there are different judges that sit in these different courts. And when a, a case goes before them, you're going to have variations, which is why when you get that number at the end, right, when you when you say, you know, I broke my leg, uh, here's how old I am, here's all the information, that's why you get a range that says, you that know. That was the second question. Yeah, yeah, 30 to 60, why you the got range? It. So you get the range because not every judge comes to the exact same conclusion. Right. But we have a range. We have an idea. So if you have uh, a torn shoulder, we know it's going to be between X and Y. You know, you broke your hip, you may be entitled to $90,000 to $120,000, right. right? It depends on which court you go to. I'm not saying that, you know, you can select the court, just like, you know, they say that you can in the U.S. and choose the right judge. No, wow. you can select a judge. Uh, the judge. The, the, which court or, or where you start the claim depends on, on various factors. But the reason why you have that range or why we have that range there is to give you an idea approximately how much you could be entitled to Very for cool. your pain and suffering. Okay, run through one. Okay, so let's go. So let's say that the accident happened. Uh, let's say May 12th of 2000 and, uh, let's say, 15. Sure. Accident location, I'm going to put Toronto. Uh, you are drawn, uh, what, uh, 85? No. Nice. Let's say. <laughs> little gray, little bald, <laughs> let's say 45. Thanks, Chief. Let's say 45. Chief. Okay, we did that. Yeah. Uh, the cause of your injury was, let's say, a car accident? Yes. Okay. And it was somebody else's fault. Of course. And the injury affected your ability to earn income. Yes. You then press continue. Then, now it asks you to select a category that best describes your main injury. Lower back. Lower back. Okay. Sure. So let me just go to where back is. There we go. And now it's asking me, uh, was it a tear of ligaments? Was it a disc bulge, a fracture, or a sprain or a strain? Disc bulge. Disc bulge. Sure. Okay. I'm clicking that. Continue. Do you experience severe chronic pain? Yes. Okay. Put that. And it's telling me, so he, here's what pops up on the that screen. That was 30 seconds. 30 seconds, that, and that's that because we have to go back and forth, right? Uh, it will take you even less time than if you do it by yourself. So, so here's what it said. It says, according to our survey of Canadian cases, you may be entitled to 50000 to $72,000 for no your pain kidding. and suffering. And, of course, then there is the button here that says submit results for a free consultation. And, again, you get to me. I get those submissions, wow. and I then communicate with you. So if you did not press that button, I would never know that you even used the calculator. But again, why is it important? Because a lot of lawyers are very hesitant to give you a number, to give you an idea of what you could be entitled to. 
I'm not afraid to do that. Every case is unique. There's a lot that goes into the calculation. Uh, you know, maybe somebody, maybe, maybe the fault is not really 100% on the other side. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's 50-50, right? Maybe it's 75-25. So we would have that discussion. But if you want to know what Canadian case law says about your particular injury, this is where you go. This is where you get the answer. You don't have to call any Pretty lawyer. Amazing. It is. And as far as I know, there's nothing like this out there. I've received a lot of positive feedback from people who've used it. And again, to reiterate, this is only pain and suffering. There could be a lot more money involved and a lot more That's uh, right. And detail, let's, make sure, right? let's make sure that we really explain that, right? I mean, you know, if I'm in a car accident and I, I work in construction and I'm not able to go back to work, I was earning $40,000 a year, for example. Mm-hmm. I'm 50 years old. Uh, and again, I'm not able to go back to work. Well, I'm now losing $40,000 a year. Let's say I get retrained in five years to do something else. Well, for those five years, though, I've lost 40000 per year. That's $200,000. So my pain and suffering may be worth $40,000 or $50,000 uh, based on case law, but my income loss is worth a lot more than right. that. And then what if I need surgery and I need certain care? I need, I need, you know, above and beyond what my insurance company is giving me for physiotherapy, for chiropractic, for whatnot. Again, you can have a claim here that's worth three, four, five hundred thousand dollars, but the pain and suffering component is just a small part of it. That's why it's so crucial to actually uh, not only go to the calculator, but then you know if you think you have a legitimate claim, communicate with me. Let me tell you if you have a case. And John, oftentimes I tell people, listen, it's not worth your while, or you don't have a case for whatever reason. Right. So I'm very upfront. I'm not going to tell you you have a case if you don't have a case. Yeah. We'll take a uh, short break. Lots more here to go. We'll get into my disability questions and the topic of slip and fall. We get a lot of questions every week about that topic, so we will answer some of those. You want to get a hold of Savannah, it's easy, 416-216-5910. You can also go to injurycalculator.com. It's a great tool, as you just saw. Pardon me, injurycalculator.ca. That's a tool you want to use, as we just discussed. And for email, it's help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, contact simple, 416-216-5910. That is the number Savannah has them on them 24-7. And email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Let's get into this one, another amazing tool. And again, this one is completely anonymous if you choose, and it is mydisabilityquestions.com. Exactly. And that's the key, John. It's it's anonymous and it's free. And you end up getting answers about uh, anything to do with a disability. So whether or not you're dealing with long-term disability questions or you're dealing with an injury that you had, whether it's uh, at work or out of work, car accident, slip and fall, dog bite, anything like that, I can answer your questions. And, and you know, oftentimes people, you know, you don't want to call up a lawyer. You don't want to communicate with a lawyer for yeah. a variety of reasons. I'm not going to go into them, but, you know, you just don't want to. You want to get the answers online. Uh, so you Google the, 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 you know, the questions. The problem is that you get a whole bunch of different answers on Google, yeah. and some of them are from the U.S. It doesn't apply here. They're not by law. You don't know who it's coming not, from. It's Google no, University. Exactly. Yeah. You got it. So instead, we created mydisabilityquestions.com, uh, and if you go on it, you'll see that there's been countless questions uh, that have been asked, and I, I always give the answers mm-hmm. uh, very, very quickly. And, of course, there is follow-up. I mean, if you want to ask me follow-up questions, if you want to contact me directly, that's your prerogative. The point is you don't have to call up anyone. You don't have to call me up or anyone else. Ask your question. And it's not just about you. Maybe it's, you know, I I do have people there that say, you know, my wife or my husband has been suffering from this and that. We were cut off. What do we do? You know, what's your advice? And I just give that because for me, it, it's it's it doesn't take much time. It's a service to the public. It puts me out there, and it allows people to get the facts and the right information. And that's really the key here. 
getting the right information so you can make an informed decision about the choices you have and how you want to proceed with a claim. MyDisabilityQuestions.com is that website drop down. You'll see a bunch of questions already been asked. Chances are your question has been asked. It's Chances been used are. so much, right? Yeah, Which absolutely. Is kind of cool. Uh, slip and falls. We uh, we get questions about this all the time, so I'll throw one out there. In fact, it's kind of a two part question. So if someone slips and falls, uh, they get injured. Uh, a, do they automatically have a case? B, can they always get compensation? All right, so let's start with A. Very important question. Again, I'm going to put my defense hat on. Remember, Mm -hmm. I used to work for insurance companies. I used to do defense work quite a lot. And the answer is this. No, you're not always entitled to compensation. You don't always have a case. You have to show that whoever controlled the property, whether it was the owner or whether or not, you know, you slipped on ice and there was a winter maintenance contractor, that someone did something wrong, that they were negligent. If they are then we can trigger their insurance policy provisions. We'll have the insurance company uh, respond to the claim and then pay whatever the compensation is that is owed. But it's so key and crucial to go to the right lawyer from the beginning and to assess whether or not you have a case or not. I can't tell you how many times as a defense lawyer, I would I would get these claims on my desk and I'd be looking at them and looking at all the material from the adjusters that would be sending them, me their files. And I'm thinking to myself, what is the lawyer thinking about? Well, I know what the lawyer is thinking. The lawyer is thinking that if they can squeeze one or $2,000 after a year or two years or three mm-hmm. years, if they can make that much money and if they have enough of these cases, no matter how difficult it is to get their clients to go through the process, whatever, they made that money. And we don't take that approach at the office. If, if you have a case, I'm going to tell you you have a case. If I think that you have a 50% chance, I will tell you you have a 50% chance. It's extremely important that if you go to a personal injury lawyer, that you get that uh, completely upfront and, and truthful analysis of, of you know, your chances at recovering. And John, I've had cases, by the way, uh, that I've looked at uh, when I was a defense lawyer, where not only was the person entitled to compensation, but their lawyers didn't understand the extent for which their clients were entitled to. So in other words, I used to settle cases for a fraction of what those- It was a shortfall. It was a short, exactly. My insurance companies loved it, absolutely loved it. Because for a lot of these lawyers out there, for them, you know, they just move the cases sometimes very, very quickly because they want to make a buck. It's like, it's like a real estate agent, you know? Mm-hmm. Drop your price, drop your price, uh, John. You know, because for me, I'm only getting whatever, 5%, 6% commission. Uh, you know, I don't really care that you drop your price by hundred grand. To you, it's a hundred grand. To me, it's just a fraction of that. Right. So for a lot of lawyers, you know, it's it's volume based. It's quality, not quantity. It's exactly. Yeah. Or quantity, so not quality. Yeah. Y- you got it exactly. So when I'm assessing a slip and fall case, I'm always looking at how did the accident happen. Uh, you have to be able to explain to me why did you fall? Did you trip? Was there a ledge? How high was the ledge? Do you have any photos? Do you have any witnesses? You know, and it's not a difficult thing. Honestly, John, within a minute or two of talking to you or communicating via email, I can tell you if you potentially have a case. Well, you mentioned compensation. So, uh, you know, if you get injured in a slip and fall, um, who pays for it? Well, so, so long as we can start a claim and the other side is at least partially at fault, Mm -hmm. presumably they have insurance. Everybody has insurance nowadays, whether you you slip on somebody's uh, uh, driveway, it's home insurance, or, you know, if you're in the mall or in a store, you're always going to have insurance there somewhere. And as long as we can get to that insurance policy, as long as we can frame the claim in a way that triggers the insurance company's obligation to respond to us, we could potentially be able to get you a settlement, uh, a compensation for your injuries. But again, very, very important. And this brings me to another point. We talked about that before on other shows. Oftentimes, when we end up uh, starting a claim or putting an owner of a property on notice, 
we have to make sure that we do due diligence. Because even though you fell in a parking lot, and that parking lot is owned by, I don't know, some big company out there, maybe it's not that company that's going to be on the hook. Right. Yes, they own the property, but maybe contractor. you got it. exactly. And maybe that contractor they contracted, maybe that company subcontracted. Yeah. You know, you have to make sure you have everyone at the table because ultimately you may have three, four, five insurance companies facing you. And you know what, John? It's easier to get a settlement done with multiple companies, generally speaking, because you have more pockets, right? You have more people who could share in the payment to my client. We'll get to a, a quick email before we break. Uh, it's uh, Stacy writes in from Burlington. It's help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Says, I've been listening to you for about six months now. Great show. Uh, now I've gotten a situation where I want to ask you about. I was walking my dog two weeks ago in a park, and another dog was being walked without a leash. The other dog got into a fight with mine, and when I tried to get my dog away, part them. The other dog jumped on me, and I felt, uh, fell and broke my wrist. Is the other dog owner responsible for that? Yes, they are. And it does happen, of course, uh, that uh, you, you have injuries uh, from animals. Uh, and in fact, from dogs specifically, I mean, that's something that is unfortunately quite common mm-hmm. uh, throughout the country. And, uh, you know, for the listeners out there, if you go on Google and you type Dog Owners Liability Act, Dog Owners Liability Act. That's the legislation in Ontario uh, that deals with this exact issue. And Section 2 of that act specifically states, the owner of a dog is liable for damages resulting from a bite or attack by the dog on another person or domestic animal. So yeah, that owner is going to be responsible. And guess what? Their home insurance is going to respond to the claim. And we could uh, deal with it, Stacey. There's no issues it's an objective injury. It's a broken right wrist. Contact yeah. me. We'll deal with it. Stacy, there you go. The number easy, 416-216-5910. More emails we'll get to one as soon as we come back and get into more stuff here in the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk radio, AM 640. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Savan's number has it on them all the time, 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Make sure you check out injurycalculator.ca. Anytime you're sitting around listening to the show, maybe have a, a gander at it right now. We'll get to an email from Kevin from Hamilton says, my wife and I were in a uh, pretty bad accident last year as we were driving on the 403. An 18-wheel truck hit us from the side uh, trying to make a lane change, and our car spun out, hit another car. We're both injured, but my wife hasn't been able to go back to work. She had surgery on her shoulder because of this accident and has been having a tough time doing things around the house as well. Uh, The truck's lawyer, the truck driver's lawyer, says that we're partly to blame for the accident, but that's completely wrong. Will him saying that affect my wife's case? If so, how? Can we get the straight answer from you? Kevin, that's a very interesting question because oftentimes in car accident situations, unless you're dealing with a very straightforward collision, like a rear-end collision, uh, you're going to have different sides of the story. And oftentimes we go to the motor vehicle accident report to see what the police has done. Uh, Did the police charge anyone? Was the person convicted? And maybe sometimes you have uh, different accounts. So this is really interesting to understand, uh, very important to understand, and an interesting issue that comes up. It's very fact-specific. So the other lawyer is going to say whatever he needs to say or she needs to say to protect their client, right? That's why they were hired by the insurance company. When I did that work, when I defended clients who were being sued, this is exactly what I did. I would try to argue that the other side was at fault to some extent. The fact that he says that means nothing. What matters is what do the facts show? What did the police officer do on the scene? What did the police records show? Uh, Were there any witnesses? Uh, how how do you come across, how does your wife come across when she tells the story? You know, at the mediation I had last week, the one that settled for the six figures, yep. the disability, you know, John, what I told my clients, and I tell my clients this every time we go to a mediation, without exception, I tell them, look, 
we have our view of the case they have their view of the case that's how the system works for sure okay and and i tell them i say listen i'm gonna show you what they wrote like the brief that they prepared for the mediator uh and of course we prepared our own brief you are going to disagree with at least 90 percent of what they put in their brief you're just going to disagree with it and not only you're going to disagree with you it's going to make you angry because what they say to you is completely inaccurate by the same token they see our case completely different they do not agree with 90 percent of what we have to say there are very few commonalities but you know what john so what so what there is a reason why most of these cases settle they settle at mediation you know why because both sides understand that it's 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 suicidal almost to take these kinds of cases all the way to trial all the way to court which is why i tell people all the time don't be afraid that your case is going to go all the way to trial to court it almost never does it almost never does because we can agree to disagree but what we can agree on is that at the end of the day there is a value to the case we know what the injury is we know what the evidence is mm-hmm. Trust me when I tell you that the reason why these cases, most of them, settle at mediation is because both sides understand that it makes more sense to resolve the case now rather than later. Oh, court's costly, too. They're very costly, which is, exactly, which is why, again, I mean, you know, I, I often compare it to, uh, you know, to going to the doctor. You have a cold, you don't expect to have surgery, right. okay? I mean, you, you don't. You, this is, get in, you get out, you're done. Exactly, exactly. So, so Kevin, in, in your wife's situation, clearly she suffered significant injuries. The fact that the truck's lawyer is saying what he's saying, I don't know if there's validity to it because I haven't seen the car accident report. Yep. Frank, your lawyer should actually be explaining to you, if you have one, uh, exactly uh, what the assessment is of a fault here because that's going to impact a potential settlement. If you don't have a lawyer, I'll be very happy to look at the documents. And again, I can probably tell you within minutes what I think of the case. Uh, and uh, you know, don't be rattled by what they have to say. Remember, the lawyer hired by the insurance company is hired by the insurance it's company. Gig. He's got a job to do. Let me uh, let me ask you this uh, based on that case, and this is something a lot of listeners probably don't know, and a lot of people would be shocked to hear that. Say that is true, and there is some part fault on the driver of the car. The wife can now make a claim against her husband's insurance, right? Yes. Which yes. sounds really weird and mean, but it's not the husband. It's the insurance company, yeah? Absolutely. Correct. Correct. So so what you're talking about is what happens if you're, for example, a passenger in a vehicle like this lady, and uh, there is a potential uh, split in fault right. between the car that hit them uh, and, and the husband here who potentially didn't act fast enough or perhaps uh, perhaps did something wrong. Maybe there's a 50-50 split sure. right, in fault. Yes, the wife would have a claim against that other driver in the other car as well as against her own husband. But again, you're dealing with insurance companies. The claims are against the individuals, but it's the insurance companies that are on the hook. So if I'm representing this lady and we go to a settlement, I'm going to have two insurance companies, potentially even three, depending on the case, who I'm sitting in front of. And again, what did I say before? The more insurance companies you have in front of you, generally speaking, the easier it is to reach a settlement Mm -hmm. because there are more pockets there. There are more entities that can fund a potential settlement. So they, that's expected from his insurance company for the wife expected. to make a claim against him. Not only is it expected, John, but if she was not to make a claim, so let's say her claim is worth a million dollars and she only went after the other driver. She's put, And let's say the split is 50-50. Right. She could potentially only be able to recover or get a judgment against the other side for $500,000. 
right? It makes no sense not to go after all the parties. Again, right. remember, it's the insurance companies that are going to be de- you're going to be dealing with here. It's not going to be the individuals themselves. We'll take a, a quick break, and you want more information on that particular point? Anytime you can call Savan four one six two one six fifty nine ten. There's always email as well. That is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show right here. It's Talk Radio AM six forty. Insurance and Injury Law Show. That's what it's called. Lots of information to be had outside of show hours. You can call Savan four one six two one six fifty nine ten and help at the insurance lawyer.ca. Let's bounce over to this topic. We haven't uh, dealt with this too much, so we'll uh, we'll go at it. And that is insurance adjuster. So what do people need to understand when they're dealing with an insurance adjuster after an accident? Okay. So insurance adjusters are not the devil. Okay. <laughs> First of all, I, I know that I've been really <laughs> reaming them and I've been saying, you know, don't trust them. And it's true. I, I would still tell you, don't trust them in a professional setting. Yeah. And, and John, I deal with insurance adjusters all the time. And some of them, you know, they're they're honestly the best people. I, I deal with them. I trust what they say. We have a relationship. I believe what they tell me. And then I have other insurance adjusters that I wouldn't believe anything they say. As soon shifty. as I see shifty, as soon as I see that they are on a file, I ask them to appoint a defense lawyer because I don't want to deal with them. And you know that gets me further ahead and gets better settlements for my clients. Wow, no kidding. But what people, just the general public needs to understand is that Insurance adjusters, no matter how nice they are, they're not your friends, even if it's from your own insurance company. How about that? Whether it's your auto insurance company, your home insurance company, if you have a leak, they are not your friend. They are there to do a job. Who do they work for? Who gives them a paycheck? The insurance company. The insurance company. What is the insurance company in the business of? Saving money. Saving money and making money. You bet. Right? Same thing for them. Right. And the way they do that is by limiting the amount of claims that they pay out whether it's by denying you on the basis of an exclusion or on the basis of a misrepresentation that they say you, you, you created. Uh, whatever it is, their job is to save money for their uh, employer, for the insurance company. So they have a job to do. How do they go about doing that job? Well, they, do, they go about doing the job by doing their due diligence. They are trained specifically to look for certain things. So you know, if you have an insurance adjuster that comes to you because you have a leak at your home, their job is to get professional opinions from whichever contractors they hire to tell them what is the cause of the leak. And then they look through the policy to figure out if there is an exclusion that applies, right? They're not there to help you. They are there to figure out if they can save their company money. I know insurance adjusters out there are going to be upset. They're going to say that's not the case, but that is the case. That's their job. That's their mandate. Uh, Now, keep in mind another thing. all these adjusters, they have supervisors, they have managers, right? They have to report mm-hmm. to higher ups. They can't have a claim on the books that is ongoing for months and years on end with no activity on the file, right? Because if the manager comes and does an audit of their files, the manager is going to say, wait a second, what about, you know, Bob here? It seems like you've been paying them long-term disability for three years and yeah. I don't see any further medical updates on the file. So when you, on disability, for example, or after a car accident, if, if everything is going hunky-dory and suddenly you start getting all these requests from the adjuster, it's probably because they are doing their job or they think that they are doing their job. They are papering their file. They're making sure that there is activity on the file. So it looks like to the higher-ups, look, I'm adjusting the claim. Or they're getting pushback. The, from the or they're getting pushbacks. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, a lot of times uh, it's happened and I found out that uh, when adjusters have done certain things, made certain moves, uh, denied certain claims, it's because they got pushbacks. And, and you know, John, I'll tell you this. Uh, I actually had a, uh, a case that I settled uh, a couple of weeks ago, a car accident case, 
where the adjuster at the mediation, again, they, they paid six figures on this, uh, and the adjuster specifically told me, she said, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna mention which insurance company it is, but she said, look, I'm actually leaving to work at a different insurance company, and I can tell you, I had a meeting with my group just before the mediation, yeah. and the money that I'm offering you right now on the table when somebody else is going to take over here, they're going to, they have pressures not to offer that money. In other words, I'm going out of my way right now to resolve this claim. Make on, it robust. Uh, you got it. So exactly. Take it. So take it because I'm yeah. getting a lot of pressures from high above, you know, not to go anywhere near the number I'm offering now. And right. the number was fair as far as, as far as I was concerned. So we actually accepted it. But my point to you is that these adjusters are facing pressures from above. And these pressures are important to understand because they bear directly on the result that you're going to have when you're making your claim, no matter if it's a travel insurance claim, Mm -hmm. house insurance claim, car accident claim, whatnot. You've also mentioned too, whether it's personal injury, whether it's slip and fall or a car accident, if this nice, friendly adjuster phones you and starts asking questions, be careful because those are those questions are engineered. Be very, very careful. They know exactly what questions they have to ask. They have a list of these questions. And be more careful how you answer, correct? Exactly, which right. is why I usually tell people, you know, make sure that you consult with someone, whether it's me or someone else, somebody who has extensive experience with the insurance industry. Because again, their job is to somehow limit the amount of money that their client is going to have to pay, the insurance company. Make sure you document all the communications. I used to say fax, but now it's email. So make sure you email everything back and forth. Remember, what you tell the insurance company will be used against you. If you are asked to sign a statement, there is a reason for that. Okay, It's one thing to give a statement, to provide facts, to help Mm -hmm. your insurance company adjust the claim. It's another thing to sign it and by signing it, becoming beholden to it. Okay, Can one sentence... Screw up your case. Absolutely. Keep in mind, I mean, th- this is this is all about the wording, right? right? Insurance policies are contracts. Contracts are based on words. And if you say something that is a bit off or you, you know, you think one thing and say something else. Innocently enough. Innocently enough. It's going to be used mm-hmm. against you. And it doesn't mean that I can't come into the picture and repair the damage. I just don't want to have to be in a position where I have to repair the damage. Right. That's, that's all. So make sure you get the proper advice before you engage an insurance adjuster. Until next time, lots of information there. You can have more anytime you like. We'll give you two tools right off the top. Injurycalculator.ca is a good one to do. And you can also call Savannah, 416. 416- 216-216-5910 and the email anytime is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Till next time, this is the Insurance and Injury Law Show Talk Radio, AM640.